So uh, those of you who love to play Bible trivia, because I know everybody likes playing Bible trivia. Um, so next time you're on Bible trivia, Bible trivia when, when they ask, well, what does Hosanna mean? You can know what it means. Does anybody already know what it means? <gasps> anybody? Other than Kurt? Save us now. Save us now. So when Jesus was coming into uh, Jerusalem and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was, a, it was a, basically like a battle cry saying, save us now. Because they thought Jesus was going to come in and uh, take and overthrow the Roman government. And um, then the, the Israelites were going to uh, just uh, rise to power. And uh, the world is going to be a, a honky-dory place. Well, Jesus had a, a different plan. God had a different plan um, in, in the mix where uh, it wasn't the, the Israelite people rising uh, to anything. It was uh, him rising from the dead. Um, so uh, I'm going to say this. And uh, there's going to be a response to what, what I'm, what I'm going to say. So hopefully we can, uh, get this, uh, we can get this down. So when I say he is risen, he is risen. oh, a lot better than last year. Okay, we're getting there. Okay, so let's do it one more time. So he is risen. He is risen awesome. Awesome. Um, if you have a Bible, uh, if you don't, it'll come up on the screen. But if you have a Bible, open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, I, I heard a little whisper, whisper up here, uh, go figure, right? <laughs> Those, you know, so this is, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. So this is year number seven. Um, here, whispers. Um, year number seven, I think uh, uh, five out of the seven years we've uh, started out in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 on um, Easter Sunday. We won't stay there long, but uh, we're, we're going to end up there. But I've got a question for you, um, and maybe this isn't a question which you've heard in church at, at all, or I know Bobby has heard this one, because I asked him this the first time he was here, and he kind of looked at me and said a few nice words in his head, in his head, right? Yes. Um, yeah, that was the old days, right? Um, why are you here? Just don't answer that out loud, maybe answer that in your head. Why are you here? Don't get super spiritual on me, uh, but answer it truthfully. Um, now, the, the answers, I, I'm sure, will be um, different. The, the most uh, righteous and the most um, religious in the bunch, the holy ones in the bunch, say, well, because it's Easter and we're here to celebrate Easter. I, I get that. Other than that, other than uh, you woke up this morning and your wife or your husband or your mom or your dad or somebody said, get dressed, we're going to church. That's what my wife told me. Get dressed, we're going to church. Um, but I don't want to go. But you're the pastor. You have to go. Um, <laughs> but why, really, why, why, why are you here? Because I, I think that um, when we answer that question, uh, honestly, it's going to help us understand and, and, and help us hear better uh, about what God wants to say today. While you're thinking of that, um, yes, we got out of the way that celebrating Easter, not, and please, I'm not minimizing that by any stretch of the imagination. I'll celebrate Easter every single Sunday if it gets people to come inside the, the, the church to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, celebrating Easter is, it, that's, that's the main reason why you're here. Let me read this quote to you by uh, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis says, we have to be continually reminded of what we believe. 
Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. As a matter of fact, if you examined a hundred people who had lost their faith in Christianity, I wonder how many of them would turn out to have reasoned out of it by honest argument. Do not most people simply drift away? I, I, I like that quote because I, I think that that helps us understand that want, even more why it's important why we come together on Easter Sunday. Some, some um, people, they don't, they don't uh, uh, grace us with the, the presence uh, as much in the church, but Easter is a, is a time where um, everybody comes out and everybody puts on their best. I had a suit coat on. Well, not wear a tie, but I did have a suit coat on today. Um, we all saw it in uh, Brian, I love your daughter, because she said, Pastor Lee, you look so handsome. Uh, <laughs> Um, she's my new favorite. Uh, so, uh, I, yeah, thank you for paying her extra for that. <laughs> if you didn't, tell her to see me and I'll give her some. Um, but, you know, we, we, we get dressed up, we come to church. But here's the deal. I, I want us to understand why we're here. Because if we don't know why we're here and we just say, hey, we're celebrating Easter, well, what we're going to have is we're going to have this clash with the resurrection reality that we're not going to know how to deal with. That's where we're going to end up today is uh, what does this look like um, when when we talk about the resurrection of Christ, and then what does it look like in the reality of today? Uh, Because I I think that a lot of times what a lot of people do is they they, they hear of the resurrection or or they um, uh, even speak of the resurrection as something that's happened a long time ago but doesn't really have an effect today. Well, it it does. In in case in hand, you're here because of that. So... um, when I ask this question, why are you here? I, I think that another answer to this question is this. Somewhere, someone, sometime or another, um, cared about you enough to plant a seed. Uh, maybe it was an aunt, an uncle, a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, uh, a teacher, whatever it may be. Somebody planted a seed somewhere where it, when it comes down to Easter Sunday and somebody else invites you, or maybe you're invited for the first time, you, you come because somebody cared about you. And I don't, want, um, I don't want that to be minimized either because I think that too often what we, what we try to do is depersonalize personal interaction in our society. Well, that kind of sounds confusingly. Well, here's the deal. We have the Facebook and the Twitter and all this other stuff that we can be personal and have friends, but when it comes into uh, the, the, the face-to-face contact, we kind of shrink back. We don't need to do that anymore. Because when somebody says, hey, do you want to go to church with me? Especially somebody from here says, hey, you want to go to church with me? It's not because they're, they're trying to fill some quota. It's not because they're trying to get a pat on the back. Because I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't pat anybody on the back. Maybe a kick in the butt. Um, but it, it's because those who, are, um, uh, th- those who are inviting you to come and, and, and worship with us and, and learn with us, um, it's because they care about you. So I, I want to personally thank everybody for showing up today to, uh, so we can celebrate Easter, so we can see and hear and learn about this good news that, that has happened. Uh, I was telling the guys uh, this morning when we were praying that today we're celebrating the greatest day in human history. The greatest, and some will say, wait a second, the birth of Jesus was, was, um, it was greater. No, I guarantee you this, if Jesus was standing right here, he would say, no, the day that I rose from the dead was the greatest day in all of human history. And, and what we need to do is, is we need to take that um, for what it is worth. It's worth everything. Uh, the Apostle Paul, um, he, he writes here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, yes, this is my favorite Easter passage. 
Because I view, I, I have this, uh, this, this, this thought in my mind that the Apostle Paul, he, he's, um, he, he's, sitting, uh, he's sitting around, he's like, okay, when, when we go to celebrate Easter, we need to make sure that we have a clear focus in why it is we're celebrating Easter. And, and he goes, well, those who are going to celebrate Easter are going to be uh, brothers and sisters. Those that, that are going to celebrate Easter are going to be Christians. So he says this, he says, now I, re- I would remind you so he's bringing to remembrance here. I would remind you, brothers, that also, that, that word is brothers and sisters. So I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preach to you, in which you received and in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Let's pray. God, again, we ask for um, your wisdom. God, we ask for your guidance. Lord, as we've read your word, Lord, we ask over the next few minutes, we can just hear what it is that you're saying. Not only to hear it, but we can listen, and then we can apply it to our lives. Uh, Lord Jesus, um, thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you, uh, as Jake told us in Sunday school, for your risenness. Uh, God, that, that, that you are alive and well. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You were once dead, but now you're alive. Uh, God, you're alive forevermore. Lord Jesus, we, we ask you just to, to be with us today as we um, just unpack some things. And, and over the next few minutes, God, I, I pray that if there's someone here that doesn't understand fully, that they just press into what it is that you're saying. And, and, and they um, come to the, the, this understanding that, that you want a relationship with them. Uh, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So I asked this question, um, why are you here? I want to ask another question because I I think also um, that this question uh, helps us um, determine uh, what it is we're going to get out, quote unquote, of the service today. Uh, and, And as a side note, you're only going to get out what you put in. So it's kind of like when you invest, if you want to get a big retain or return, you're going to uh, put in a lot. So my, my, my uh, suggestion for you today is just to press in and, and put into um, this time that we're together to hear what it is that God has to say, because you can have a, a, a great return. So next question, what do you want? What, what, what do you want? Not only, I get it, these aren't the questions that preachers are supposed to ask on, uh, on Easter, but hey, we're not normal around here. So what do you want? I, I think that this is an awesome question because I think that this is the question that Jesus asks multiple times. Maybe not in the, the exact verbiage of what do you want, maybe not with the attitude in which I have like what do you want, um, but Jesus asked this question multiple times because I think it's important for us to, to, to know what it is that we want. If you want to uh, turn over to, to John chapter 1 real quick, in John chapter 1, uh, the first words 
of Jesus in the Gospel of John, we see that um, the, the, these first words in verse, uh, if you have a red letter Bible, you can see real easily, easily there in verse 38, it says, Jesus turned and saw them following, who, who's them? He's talking about um, the, these disciples of John the Baptist now that are following after Jesus. He sees them following him, and he, it says he turned and uh, he said to them, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? I think that that's basically, I mean, in our vernacular today, we wouldn't, I wouldn't look at Jeremiah and what are thou seeking? No, I would look at Jeremiah and say, what do you want? What do you want? So I'm picturing Jesus. He's walking, he's walking down by the seashore here because Sally had seashells by the seashore and she was selling them. Um, how many of you are going through? So anyways, Jesus is walking here, and then the disciples that were following John now following him, and he stops, and he's just, what do you want? Not in a, what do you want, get away from me, or he's holding his wallet, they're going to mug me. No, he's saying, what, what is it that you want? Who are you seeking after? Well, I think that this being the first words that we see of Jesus in the Gospel of John, I think that we can have a, we can resonate with these words. And when I say that we can resonate with these words, I think that as these words are being asked to people that are seeking after Jesus, I think that if we ask ourselves the same questions, if I'm seeking after Jesus, if he turned around and said, what do you want, would I say, you? Instead of, instead of, if, if Jesus turned around, because it, it says here that um, they said that, uh, uh, and they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying. So they wanted to go after Jesus. They didn't want to go after Jesus' stuff. They didn't want to go after, well, I heard that you're able to um, make me healthy, wealthy, and wise, so I'm going to follow after you for all those benefits. No, when Jesus looked at them and said, what do you want? They, they said, you, we, we want to follow after you. Now, are, are things going to happen? Is God going to bless us as we follow him? Absolutely. But that's not the reason why the followers came here. So I, I think initially when we first hear this, that uh, when Jesus asked that, what do you want? Um, our response at, at the deepest need needs to be, I just want, I just want to be with you. Because there's another uh, group of people that Jesus asked that similar question to. Turn over to uh, John chapter 18. Um, if you don't have it, it'll pop up on the screen. John chapter 18 in um, verse 4. This is Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. He was um, in the garden. They already did the, uh, the last supper. He already washed the feet of the disciples. Uh, he's already instituted the Lord's Supper. Um, he's already told Judas, hey, if you're gonna, whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly. Um, they're in the garden here. He, he's already prayed. He's already sweated. He, he already sweat drops of blood. It says here that so Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns, there being this garden, and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? Whom do you seek? And, and I, this is the same thing. I, I, I envision Jesus seeing, seeing them and like, okay, what do you want? 
What is it that you want? Because, and, and this is what I love about this, this question, is the same question asked to different people gets different responses. Now, the, the response initially was, we want you, but it's not because we want to follow after you, it's because we want to murder you. We want you because uh, we've been paid to come here. This is like our, our job, uh, out of necessity, I have to come and, and I have to, uh, to get you. I, I think arrest him, absolutely. They, they, the reason that, that I'm, I'm stressing this is because what we have here is initially, back in John 1, we have a people who are coming voluntarily after Jesus. Here in John 18, we have a people who are forcefully being brought after Jesus. And if we're honest, I mean, you don't have to point or nudge or anything. Some of you are here forcefully right now. Some of you are here, be, you don't even want to be here. That, that, that's fine. Sometimes I don't want to be here, but I'm here. My wife made me be here. I told you that. Get your butt out, out from underneath the bed and let's go. Um, <laughs> kicking the scream. No, no, no. But there, there are, are those that are here that maybe you don't want to be. And, and maybe we'll take the righteous repro- uh, approach and say, no, come on, preacher. I really do want to be here. No, you're thinking about everything else other than being here right now. You're thinking about um, uh, the, the in-laws that are going to come over or the family that you can't stand that you got to go over to at 2 o'clock to hang out with them. <laughs> Dang, my sister's here. She knew it. My cat's out of the bag. No, no but, but seriously, there, there are, you're thinking about those things. You're not really thinking about, I just want to follow after Jesus. I just want to hear from him. So, so, so my plea for you, my, my, my request to you is just, just put that stuff aside for a few. Don't, don't be those who come to the garden seeking after Jesus because they want to just get their quota in. They just want to do what it is that, that they were told to do and, and go and, and have uh, ham and whatever else that you, you have on Easter Sunday. No, 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 no. Let, let, let's, let's press in. Because it's important to, to answer that question, what do you want? Because when you answer that real, honestly, God's going to speak to you. I'm I'm 100% positive of that. If you come and you present yourself to God and say, "Um, I just, I want to follow after you, he will speak to you. Now, I'm not saying that this voice from heaven is going to go, Noah, I'm God. What? What? Right. No. (laughs) Somebody else got that. But he'll speak to your soul, guarantee it. So what, what, do you, what do you want? Well, I think that that sparks the, the, the prior question, why are you here? When we ask the what do you want and we answer the what do you want, we should re-ask the why are you here because uh, I'll tell you this why you're here. If you still are sitting here like, I don't really know why I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm here because I was told to be here. Yeah, preacher, you hit the nail on the head. Got it. Okay. Um, but I don't want to be that. I mean, you, now you made me feel guilty. And I know that if we're feeling guilty in church, that means something I need to do different. I ain't never come back to this place again. Well, whatever. We make people feel guilty all the time. But it's for a good cause. Because what happens is we need to, to look inside and we need to investigate what it is that's going on in our lives to make the, the, the change. Here, um, the, if we ask the question again, why are you here? I am I'm convinced about this. I, I don't make big statements all the time about uh, um, absolutes, but I know for certain why each one of you are here. I know why I'm here. Because this is exactly where God wants me to be right now. 
and think about that. If this is exactly where God wants you to be right now, he has something to tell you. He has something to communicate with you. He's fine. He's fine. Let him run. Let him there. Lay down. If I get down on the floor right here, just I, microphone will pick up. That's where God wants him to be. I, I'm just saying. I, I, I'm just saying. Because here's the deal. Too many times, too often, what we do is we just kind of go through the motions and we don't put the emphasis behind what it is that we're doing. And, and when we come together as, uh, as a church, and when we come together as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, or maybe you're not even a believer, but you're coming together with the body, you're coming together because that's what God wants you to do. The Bible's very clear that, that we should not uh, forsake the, 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 the gathering together or the assembling of the saints we shouldn't forsake that. We shouldn't cast that off. It's important that we do come together. And it's not we come together so, you know, I can make you feel guilty or somebody else can make you feel guilty. No, it's we come together to hear what God has to say. Can God speak to you in your own time, in your own, uh, your own prayer or your own Bible reading? Absolutely. I, I do believe that. But what happens is when you, um, when you solely bank on that, you miss out the community in which God is in. You miss out on the, the reason and the need for brothers and sisters in Christ. You miss out on awesome bald guys giving messages on Easter Sunday. Just plain omit that last one there. So, but what we do is we miss out on what God really wants us to hear. And I'm convinced today what it is that God wants you to hear, what he wants me to hear, that we're going to, we'll wrap it up in another 15, 20 minutes, hopefully, um, that what he wants you and I to hear is the importance of the resurrection. Because like Paul says in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he wants to remind you of the gospel. He wants to remind me of the gospel. We need to be reminded because we have a tendency to forget. And when we forget, we just kind of drift away. That's not what, what being an effective witness for Christ is. That's not living our life for Christ. That's not what, and I'll, I'll go uh, patriotic here, that's not what our country was built upon. We were built upon a, a, a faith, a belief in Jesus Christ. And, and what we need to do is we need to remember that. We need to remember that, that no matter how bad things get, God is still in control. That, that Jesus still conquered Satan, sin, and death. If we're, if we're going to be honest, sometimes what we, what we do is we have um, this, um, let's just say a, a vogue or a vague or a foggy, vogue, that's a new word, vague and foggy, a vogue, uh, not vogue, vogue, uh, a vague or a foggy um, understanding of, of key in um, important doctrines inside the church, important doctrines, important teachings, such as the resurrection of Christ. <coughs> what we need to do is we need to see what the Bible says about the, the resurrection. So we just read in 1 Corinthians 15, um, it, it, we're not going to go back to 1 Corinthians 15, but in your own time, because everybody in here um, reads their Bible every day, and you need more to read because you've read it three or four times through. Um, but here, just some additional homework for you. No sarcasm there. Um, additional homework. Read all of 15, all of 1 Corinthians 15, because Paul says, Paul says, without the resurrection, we ain't got nothing. That's kind of my paraphrase, but that's what he says. 
If we have no resurrection, if Christ did not rise from the dead, if his, as Jake said this morning, his risenness isn't real. I love that word, by the way. I'm coining it. If, if, if his risenness isn't real, we, there's, no, there's no reason we should be here today. I want you to turn over to uh, Luke chapter 24. Because what I want to do is I want to build a, a, a small case for the resurrection. And, and I want us to, to see that, that this is just not some crazy man, although crazy, but not just some crazy man going off on, on rants about um, the, the, the deep conviction in which I have. Because too many times uh, what happens is people, when you encounter or somebody encounters you or however the, uh, the, the, the social uh, paradigm works. Um, when you talk to someone in religion, you know, you're not supposed to talk about politics and religion. Well, then I ain't got nothing to talk about because I, I don't like politics and all I know is religion. So I ain't got nothing to talk about. So if I don't talk to you, that's not because I don't like you. So I ain't got nothing to talk about if you don't want to talk about religion. So at least somebody thought that was somewhat interesting. Thank you, Chuckles. I'll pay you later. Um, <laughs> But what we have in these, these social interactions is when it comes up about religion, it comes up about uh, belief and faith and all this, we, we take kind of like a politically correct, um, uh, non-obtrusive, uh, intolerant, or I should say a tolerant in, a view of, well, you can believe what you believe and I'm going to believe what I'm going to believe. Well, the only problem with that, well, there's many problems with that, but the main problem with that is the Bible. Because the Bible talks about and shares with, or shares with us that God is a jealous God. He's not going to share his glory with any other false God. And, and we have the, the clear understanding that, that he teaches us. He, he, he uh, inspired the Apostle Paul saying, okay, the most important thing that you could ever teach, you can ever preach, ever, is the gospel. And the gospel is, and I know that there's some uh, visitors with us, so I'm going to tell you this. Um, the gospel is the good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity. It's good news because we're jacked up. And part of that good news is that Jesus, uh, he lived a sinless life. He died a murderous death, but he rose on the third day. And the Apostle Paul saying, the most important thing is for you to teach and for you to preach and for you to proclaim that. And he says, it's not just because it's just a, a, a ragtag bunch of, of, of guys uh, saw him after he uh, rose from the dead, which they did. Uh, it says that, that, that um, Jesus appeared to his disciples. But it, it also says that he appeared to over 500 people at one time. I, I, I know people, and I know that to get 500 people to agree on something is kind of almost impossible. <laughs> So we, we know that the, the, when the apostle is throwing this out, what he's saying is there's over 500 people that have, have witnessed uh, the, the risen Christ. And, and basically, he, he said that they're still alive. Like, if you want to go hop in your, your chariot and go down the road, and the fourth house on the left, you, uh, Elmer's in there, he saw them too. And you go down the road a little bit, and uh, Juanita's down there, she saw them too. And all, these people are still alive. Go verify that's, a, that's one of the, the, the interesting things that I think about when I think about when people say, well, the resurrection didn't happen. Well, if the resurrection didn't happen, and, and there's many theories that, that people can go and, and avenues you can, you can run on, but if the resurrection didn't happen, then why didn't they just prove the tomb wasn't empty? 
right? No one ever goes back to the tomb once, the, once Jesus uh, is, is risen from the tomb and the, the disciples and, and the women come to, uh, to the tomb and they, they leave from there. It never says that anybody goes back to the tomb. Not the disciples. The reason they didn't go back to the tomb is because they knew that he wasn't in there. But it doesn't even say that the guard or anybody goes back to the tomb. It would just be easy just to prove, okay, wait a second, y'all are just jacked up. You're, here's the body, it's in the tomb. Well, our, our little puppet show here says that, well, maybe somebody just stole them. Okay, if, if his disciples came and just stole the body, does anybody know how, uh, how things fared for his disciples after Jesus rose and, and then the rest of their life? Uh, all of his disciples were murdered. One was boiled in oil. And then he wouldn't die, and then they, the, 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 the government just freaked out and sent him off to an island. It, it didn't fare well for him. So if they just stole the body while Peter is hanging upside down on a cross, because that's how Peter died, if he's, while he's hanging upside down on a cross, all he had to say was, psych, you know, if you go down and there's three rocks on the left, there's the body. No, they each, they died a death because the, the, the death in which they died, they knew that um, they were going to live again because of Jesus rose from the dead. So this uh, understanding or this thought that, well, maybe he just got stolen, it doesn't, make, it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't hold any water at all. Well, then there's another one. Well, maybe he just swooned, meaning like on the, on the cross, he just kind of, as he was laying there bleeding to death, he just kind of passed out. And then when he passed out, they put him in a tomb. And once they put him in a tomb and they sealed it all up and everything, uh, granted, you know, medical care wasn't top notch. They didn't have Medicaid or Medicare back then or anything. So they just put him in a tomb, sealed it up. Well, we see that in uh, Luke chapter 24, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. There's these disciples that are, after all of this has taken place, they're walking down this road to this town called Emmaus. And what happened? Well, the guy that was faking it on the cross showed up to him and, and walked with them seven miles. Think about this. Jesus, if he was on the cross and he just swooned and he passed out, they put him in a, a dark, nasty uh, cave with no medical attention. They put him in there, put a huge stone in front of it. And then three days later, he's walking down a road Seven miles with some other cats. I don't know about you. I stub my toe and I have a hard time walking. Right? right? He had spikes driven through his feet and through his hands and a spear in his side. Then he was beaten with the cat of nine tails to an inch of his life. And then he hung there in the hot sun. But he just swooned. And then on the, three days later, he was up kicking it and, go, and just kind of just... Chilling, rolling down the road, talking to his disciples. I, I don't know about you. I guess I'm more of a, of a realist. It just does, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that he can just fake a death and then a few days later act like everything's all honky-dory. Unless something in the middle happened there that was transformational or miraculous, him kicking it, walking down the street is an impossibility. Well, we know that he rose from the dead. So obviously he uh, overcame the, those ailments of his body because he overcame death. I, I, I love also that uh, when we had this, our, our little 
puppet show up here, and they're talking about the interaction with, with Mary at, at the tomb. Uh, turn over there. Let, let's do that. Turn over to uh, John chapter 20. Because in John chapter 20, the, the interaction that, that Mary has, uh, Mary Magdalene, that she has at the tomb, um, it's again, it's important to this whole understanding of what took place. Because it, it, it tells us previously that, that when Jesus died on the cross, when the, the Roman guard went up there and stuck his spear in, into him and, and confirmed that he was dead, he was a professional executioner, said, yep, dude's dead. And then he came down, when they, they were, he didn't come down, but they took him down off. They laid him in the tomb. The ladies that, that were following after Jesus watched where they put him. So that's another, uh, uh, another um, theory is, well, they just went to the wrong tomb. No, they knew exactly where they put him. And not only did they know exactly where they put him, the, the tomb was sealed by the, the, the Roman guard as well. So it stuck out like a sore thumb. So understanding that, well, it's just a, a case of mistaken tomb identity doesn't hold water either. Because they saw him put into this tomb. So look here. Look at, um, we'll just go to 20 verse 11. Just for sake of time. It said, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. Now, this is after Peter and John had uh, beat feet to the tomb to see that Jesus wasn't there. Um, because, and I love it that, that the other disciple that's talked about in verse 20 here is the, the younger man. Uh, it's the, the apostle John. And the old man, Simon Peter, uh, he just got out exercised. That would be a good word. John beat him to the tomb. It says here that they looked in and Jesus wasn't there. So it says, uh, verse 12, And she saw two angels in white sitting where uh, the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus and Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he has said these things to her. So, understanding here, again, we have another eyewitness account of what took place. That Jesus, when he, on the third day when he rose, he appeared. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. This is another kind of one of these moments that, that we have to understand um, literary genre and how the Bible was written and everything and understand cultural effect uh, of this. Because it, during this time, a, a woman could not, in a court of law, stand up and give a verifiable testimony. 
So for the, the writers of, of Scripture to use a, a, a lady here, and please, I'm not minimizing lady, you know, the ladies at all. I, I'm really you know, maximizing this. That if, if for the, the writers of Scripture to use a lady was, they, they were saying um, it, it doesn't matter culturally what, what anybody thinks. This is what happened, and we're going to use every source available. So this is even more um, impactful for the, 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 uh, the, the narrative here that Mary Magdalene was using, because we know Mary Magdalene didn't have a good past. That's what I love about Mary Magdalene as well. She wasn't the most reputable of individual, but God used her in amazing ways. He used her in the, in the understanding, in the sense that when she, or when he uh, appeared after his resurrection, she was there to see him. I'm hoping by now we're starting to see this importance of the resurrection because I love the question then Jesus asks Mary here. Did you guys catch that? What do you want? Whom are you seeking? He asks. It's that same question. What do you want? Why did Mary come there? She was seeking after Jesus. She didn't know how, that how she was going to roll the stone away. She didn't know that the stone was rolled away. She was going there not knowing what to do, but she knew that she just needed to go there. And God worked in, in such a miraculous way to move this stone and to um, show his intimacy uh, and his, his wantingness. I guess if you put ness at the end of any words, it's legit, right? His wantingness to be with his people. He asked that, what do you want? Mary, what do you want? Well, we already know what she wants because she already made it perfectly clear that before she knew it was Jesus, she thought it was a gardener. And she's like, you just tell me where he is and I'll go get him. I'll do whatever it takes for me to be in the presence of my Lord. That's, that's a hard understanding sometimes because a, a lot of times some people will say, well, if I can fit it into my schedule, I'll do what God wants me to do. Most people wouldn't suffer a paper cut for him, let alone be persecuted for him. She was saying, I just, just show me where he's at. I want, to, I, want to be, I want to be there. I want to be there. With this understanding and the reality of the reality of the resurrection, and that's another beautiful thing. Over 2,000 years, there's been multiple attempts to prove the resurrection wrong, and none have succeeded. None. I like what Tim Keller says in reference to this. Tim Keller, he's one of those you know, smart white guys that, that just write books and do what those you know, intelligent guys do. But he, he says this. If Jesus rose from the dead then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. I, I, I think that that's powerful. I, I, the first time I read that, I'm like, dang, that guy should write a book or something. For those of you who know, he's written multiple books, several, several books. But he, he hits the nail on the head. It, because too, too many times what people want to do is they want to accept and, and, and deny certain teachings of, of, of Jesus. 
And they want to just accept certain parts of the Bible. Jesus' resurrection doesn't afford you that opportunity. doesn't afford me that opportunity. It all comes down to if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Ultimately, when he rose from the dead, he solidified everything he ever said. For instance, and I'm just going to blow through these real quick. So in John 11, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Um, in John 6, he said, I'm the bread of life. In John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. In John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. In John 3, he says, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John 4 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Again, in John 14, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He goes on to say, whoever does not love me does not keep my word. Those are some of the, the, the things that, like, when you first hear them, they, they seem, well, that's not very tolerant. <laughs> I, I, I don't think Jesus was worried about that. But what we have to understand is the words in which Jesus spoke, the, the word in which God has given us, if you believe that, that God raised him from the dead, if you believe that, that Jesus is alive today, you can do nothing but abide by his word. Because if you don't, you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You may know it. And I don't want anybody to you know, walk out of here thinking, well, thankfully, now I don't even know if I'm going to go to heaven or not. No, 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 here's the deal. You can, you can know it here, but unless you believe it here, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference at all. The Bible says that we can know for certain what's going to happen to us. Because it says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, does that mean that we're going to be automatically um, uh, perfect and we're going to live a sinless life? No, that's not what that means. What that means is because of the resurrection, there's a reality that takes place. The reality is I'm going to put my hope and my trust in him because he's alive. I'm not going to continue to live like God's dead because I, I, was, I was convinced by these kids up here singing, God's not dead, he's surely alive. He's roaring like a lion. Some of that roar looked like a yawn. That was awesome, though. <laughs> I'm sure that's on video. But God's still alive. If we're going to believe that. Now, now I understand. There, there, there's, there's something that has to take place that goes from the 18-inch the, the drop. I know, ogre, 20, whatever. 22. 18-inch drop. It goes from knowing it here to believing it here. When you believe it here, your life reflects what it is that you believe. Your life doesn't reflect what you know because what you know just uh, modifies your behavior a little bit. But when your heart is transformed, you can do nothing but what it is that, that God wants. Granted, are we going to stumble and fall sometimes? Yeah, you better believe it. But he's right there to say, what do you want? Why are you here? Whom are you seeking? The reality is that the, re the resurrection is the most important part of your life. It's the most important part of my life. The, the, the resurrection, it, it not only uh, uh, describes and not only solidifies everything that God put in, 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 um, in the works or he uh, purposed, it gives us hope for the end. I, I love uh, some of the, the older folks will, will know who I'm talking about. Uh, J. Vernon McGee. 
I love J. Vernon McGee and the Bible bus and, and the whole nine yards. J. Vernon McGee said this because I, I think that when we hear things like this and we say that, well, if we're going to believe in the, if, we, if we're going to say we believe in the resurrection, I don't have to believe everything in the Bible. You're not getting it. What you're trying to do is impose your own way on God's way. J. Vernon McGee said this. Love it. This is God's universe. Okay? This is God's universe, and he does things his way. Now, for those of you who know Jay Vernon McGee, just picture this, you know, this older gentleman. Uh, he's got that smoker's voice and uh, just it, it, inspirational man. He says, so this is God's universe and he does things his way. You may have a better way, but you don't have a universe. <laughs> think about that for a second. Okay, so you think your way is better, fine, but you ain't got a, a universe to execute it in. So you need to follow what it is that God says because he's got this whole thing in his hands. He's holding the whole universe in his hands. I, I, I love the, the understanding and I, I love the, um, I, I've called it the gospel prayer um, for a few years now. I, I love this um, understanding that I can measure the compassion of Jesus. I can measure the compassion of God by the cross of Jesus Christ, but I can measure the power of God by the resurrection of him. Don't live, don't walk around from this point on in, in any type of um, mode that you do not serve a powerful God. Because if you claim the resurrection, if you claim Jesus Christ as Lord, you are, are claiming the most powerful Lord of all. Because he conquered Satan's sin and death. No one else has done that. No one. That's why we have hope. That's why we celebrate. That's why we're here. That's the word that Jesus wanted to, uh, for you to hear today. Let's pray. Hebrews uh, 9 says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sin of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him, or eagerly waiting for him. So this is my prayer today as, we, as we're sitting here with our heads bowed and eyes closed, because that's what preachers say you're supposed to do. Um, here's what we need to do. Uh, just, just reflect on what it is that, that was said today um, and just take that moment to ask yourself, do, do I believe in the resurrection, uh, that, that, that Jesus is still alive? You know, even though the, 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 this has happened a long time ago and maybe he kind of has died by now because he's older. No, that Jesus is alive, that he conquered Satan's sin and death. Ask yourself if you believe that. And I don't want anybody to feel bad like, well, if you don't believe that, then we're going to boot you out of the church. No, if you don't believe that, my, my prayer is that, that God opens your heart for you to trust him. Because if you're going to trust anything in this world, you need to trust the one who conquered Satan's sin and death. The one who is alive and well. As Revelation said, I, that Jesus looks at John and he says, you know, I am the, the Alpha and the Omega, the, the beginning and the end. I was once dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. The one in whom I serve, the one who I can get all, uh, all, all crazy for is the one who's still alive. So let us celebrate his, 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 his life today.
If you don't know how to do that, I'm, I'm more than happy to just talk to you. Uh, we've got other uh, men and women in the church that would be more than happy just to say, okay, what questions do you have? Let's, let's answer some of these questions. Because at the end, when it says that Jesus is going to come back, he's going to come back for those who are eagerly waiting for him. Those who are saying, I know that what's going to happen to me is I'm going to be with him. Not because of what I've done, not because of what anybody else has done in my life, but because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross by him rising from the dead. That's where my hope and my trust is at. So you can know today. Our Father God in heaven, Lord Jesus, we... um, We thank you for what you've done. Father, we thank you for sending your son because you are a good, good father. Uh, God, we we thank you for um, the the questions in which you ask. Like, what do we want? Well, God, we know that that you draw draw people to you. So what what I want, and and I think what we want, is for uh, you to draw us to you. Lord Jesus, let this be the day that, that some make that, 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 that understanding or that, that knowledge go to an understanding in their heart that, that goes from knowing of something to knowing someone. Lord Jesus, you are alive. You are well. God, we want to worship you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand and continue in worship.